is, and usually I get up here and I um, speak to you from a series that we're in the middle of, but this month um, we're actually in what we call No Series September, which means each week is not necessarily connected to the other. We've talked a lot over the last couple weeks about being vigilant against the enemy. We've talked about uh, faith and some things like that. So this morning I'm going to do a totally, totally different message. And I'm actually going to have my wife help me on this one. Why don't you guys give her some applause as she comes up? I, I don't do so well sitting on a stool and staying in one place, but I, I, I did it last experience, so I believe I can do it in this one. And I want to encourage you, next week we're going to do another standalone message, and we're going to talk about freedom. And so you don't want to miss next week, but um, everybody say, we are ready to go. So this past Tuesday, me and my wife celebrated 25 years of marriage. I appreciate your applause. Um, I told you last week, last Sunday, that if I made it to Tuesday, we were going to celebrate. So we made it, right? We made it to Tuesday. And so it's 25 years. In, and um, I, it's like anyone else's marriage. Um, we've had mostly really, really good times, a couple challenging times, but we've been very blessed. Um, I can tell you that I did not grow up in a church that I ever remember anyone teaching on marriage. And when I uh, took a job in Ohio, the first thing we went to was a marriage weekend. And I thought, why would I want to go to that? Um, but it, it, it began um, giving us some revelation and, and change. And we feel like we have a really good marriage, but we feel like that's because of what we learned that the, that the Lord has taught us and, and showed us. And so we want to talk this morning about what we wish we knew before we got married. And I do believe we're going to say some things. If you're married, it's going to help you. If you are going to get married, it's going to help you. And you can apply the same stuff um, if you're not currently married right now. And, and I believe God's going to help you. So y'all ready to go? Yeah. All right, so 25 years. Pound it. All right, okay. So 25 years ago, I was thinking about this um, when I met my wife. I wish I had this, like, first love, or for, what's that called, first sight? Love at first sight story, but I really, I don't. Um, not that you weren't awesome or anything, but uh, so I actually met my wife at, uh, me and some friends were at a, an event at um, Trinity Assembly of God in Marion County. It was like an evangelistic event, and we were there, and there was a, a, a girl that we knew, and you were friends with her, and she brought you to that, and it's actually the night that she gave her heart to Jesus. This is why, when sometimes I question it, you know, but I was there when she got saved, so I know she's saved. Um, I got proof, so... But I don't have proof of yours. Yeah, so, so um, I was... I was there that night, and so after the event was over, we got to meet, and we all went out to eat, and this is what I remember. I, I, I remember that she was really hot, and, um, and then she did the weirdest thing. She started eating my mashed potatoes off my plate. But I asked you first. Yeah, you, you did ask, but that. I just thought that was weird. I was a stranger. You're like, you're going to eat the rest of those? I was like, ah, uh, and she just started eating off my plate, so... Um, that was that was kind of the first the the, the first uh, the first impression um, my first thoughts that first night so that was kind of weird like I didn't know at that moment like we'd be sharing mashed potatoes for eternity or, or anything yeah. like that no but aren't you glad I did I am glad that you did but aren't you so, glad I did yeah well I'm going to explain to you what I thought about Pastor Aaron the first time I met him so that same night okay. Um, Obviously, I didn't go to church and didn't grow up in church. I mean, Christmas and Easter, that kind of thing. But uh, so, you know, and I had had some experiences outside in the world. 
some things I did that I wasn't proud of, those kind of things. And then when I met him, I'm thinking, okay, who's this goody-goody guy? You know, that thinks he's all that in a bag of chips kind of thing. So I kind of had this impression of, you know, it was a false impression, obviously. It was not the right impression, but that's the impression that I had because I thought, okay. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to change who I am just because, you know, I thought he was kind of thinking who he was and all that. So I just was very comfortable. I was just myself, so I ate the mashed potatoes off his plate. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah? I could have so, had like a monkey disease or something. In monkey disease. <laughs> My goodness. And then... Um, from that point, we actually, uh, I worked with the youth. I started working with the youth and started helping out. And it was actually a couple years into it before he uh, made this attempt and, and called me on the phone. Now, I, ladies, I need some help here, okay? Because I want some verification on this. And because if, if, if a guy calls you up and asks you to go somewhere for the evening and he will come and get you, is that a date? Yes. Thank you. Okay. We always have this dispute that he thinks it was just, because it was, it was a play, an activity that we were going to for, our, for the youth, and, but he had tickets to it. So he called me and asked me if I would be willing to go with him. And, uh, and I said, yes. So that to me cl classifies as a date, correct? Yes. All right. Thank you. I feel justified. Anyway, we have this long, ongoing like disagreement of that wasn't a date, that was just an activity. So, and the reason why I think he is disputing it is for this reason. We were sitting in the, uh, it was a gymnasium actually, and the uh, front of the stage was where they did the play. And I was sitting actually right here and he was sitting to the right of me and then there were two other students and then the stage was that way. And the whole time he sat like this talking to those other two students and had his back to me so he had no conversation going on with me, so I felt like I was kind of there by myself. So I'm thinking, okay, what did I agree to? This is a date, and he doesn't talk to me. What's going on? Like, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with him? And then I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to enjoy the play. I was playing hard to get. Yeah. <laughs> really hard to get. <laughs> and so after that, he said, hey, would you like to go get something to eat? So I'm thinking, okay, this is really classifying as a date, but you're acting really not like you're on one. So we went and we got something to eat, and then he started talking to me. So I started thinking, okay, maybe not. Well, then it was like a month later to the day, because that day was actually April Fool's Day, so I thought it was a joke. Um, because if you know him in any way, he does prank you, or he'll tell you something and make you believe something, not because he's lying, but because he likes to joke and he likes to razz people and that kind of thing. So I thought, okay, maybe this was just part of that. Because then on the second date, which was a month or 30 days later, he asks me out on what he says was the first date. So, well, first one was practice. Yes, the first one was practice, I guess, on your end, not on mine. So then we had great conversation, and we talked about things. But then he actually went into this story, which I, I, I want to make sure I say this. He went into this story and I'm like hanging on every word because first of all, he's a great storyteller, meaning like he can captivate you. He can, he can keep you going. And I'm listening to this and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And he tells me this thing. And at the end, it was horrible. The ending was horrible. I'm like, oh my gosh. And he goes, oh, that was just a joke, by the way. 
So I'm like, I can't believe that you told me this whole story and like I'm enthralled and listening to this. So I knew this was going to be an adventure. And it has been for 25 years, been an adventure. But you know what? It's been a great adventure. And that's kind of how it started and how we started dating. And we just kind of had an opportunity just to get to know each other better. And um, actually, the dating process got so much better. So if you're worried out there, it did get better. And it just keeps getting better and better because he's actually really good at dating. But the first one, which I classify as the first one, was not the greatest. But you know what? We won't go on that track record. We're going on the track record of the ones after. Amen? So that's kind of how we started dating, and we got to know each other a lot better. And then as it went along, um, he was one that always planned, and he was always a planner for the youth ministry. And so what he would do is, because he was single, he could plan something every weekend because there weren't any other obligations. So he actually had things planned every weekend. So as a leader, we had something going on every weekend. And I'm thinking, man, that's a lot, but okay, this is good. We're, we're winning students to Jesus, and it was real exciting, that kind of thing. And there was a lot of energy and everything. And so he actually had planned something on my birthday weekend. You can tell I have no game, right? I have so, zero game. <laughs> you have game. You got better. I said, I encouraged you. You got better. You got better. There's things we didn't know, remember? And so... Um, he had planned uh, something afterwards, so the way he said it was, okay, I know we've got a retreat this weekend, and I know it's your birthday, but i got something planned next weekend. Is that okay with you? And I'm like, sure, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty patient. I'm pretty understanding. And I'm thinking, okay. So what I had really wanted was a camera. And I, was, I know that's really strange. There's, there's a point to this part of it, so stick with me. I wanted this camera. And I had been, he asked me had what I'd won, and I said, you know, I really would like to have a camera, that kind of thing. So I'm getting all excited. That weekend came, and he did, he did a lot of planning for this weekend. And I thought, this is great. So he's gonna, he takes me to Pittsburgh. And I'm like, that's awesome. He's going to take me to Pittsburgh, even though it's February, and it's frigid. He's taking me to Pittsburgh, and he said, I got, I'd like to go up on the monorail and go to uh, Mount, the, Washington. Mount Washington. To, there are several different overlooks. Has anybody ever been there? You know there's overlooks, and yes. So he, he takes me on that. Well, I'm in heels and hose, not knowing that I was going to walk for miles <laughs> to this point. And I'm thinking, okay, that's all right. It's all right. So I'm just, I'm freezing. We actually ducked into a restaurant real quick. I got to tell this. I don't know why. I just enjoy this. <laughs> got to tell this. We ducked into this restaurant. I actually went into the bathroom. And I took my shoes off and my hose off, and I ran my feet under hot water because they were freezing. I thought, I am not going to make it to the point he wants to get at if I don't have some kind of heat on my feet, or my toes are going to fall off. He didn't know that for years. I think just the last couple years, I told him, he goes, you did what? I said, they were frozen. Like, I, I had to be able to walk to get where you were taking me. So lo and behold, I came back out. That's why he wondered why I was so long in the bathroom. And so we went to the point. And we were in one of those overlooks, and it overlooked Heinz Field, right? So, How's that for go romantic? Figure. And um, so he actually really had this really planned out. And there was this box, and it looked like a camera. And I'm thinking, yes, he got me a camera. I'm so excited. So then he goes and hands it to me, and I open it up, and it's a Bible. And I was like, great, that's awesome. And I do love the Bible, so it wasn't the fact that he got me a Bible, but it was the fact that it wasn't a camera. But you know what? It was okay. Because he took it away from me, and he opened it up. And the first time he ever told me he loved me, he actually read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. So he opened it up to that. I and know, in cheesy. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
was really sweet. He opened it up to that, and in between the pages there was a ring. And he got down on his knee, and he asked me to marry him. So camera was wiped out. It was all good. I was okay. I had a diamond, which I love jewelry, by the way. And, but anyhow. And she so said nothing. I said nothing said for a nothing. few minutes. Just, Absolutely oh nothing, because well. I was shocked. I was stunned. <laughs> You know, I was, I was going through these challenges of emotion. I didn't get a camera, but I got a ring, you know, that kind of thing. I know that's really silly. Buy you a stick But it camera. happened. So, and it, he more than made up for it, obviously. But, um, and I remember just being very silent for a minute, not knowing what to say. And then all of a sudden, all that could come out was, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I did say yes, obviously. And he, he did ask me, and I said yes. 25 years later, here we are. But I also remember this when we were driving home. He called his parents, and um, this was when cell phones first came in. And the you bag had this phone. bag phone. Has anyone ever seen the phone this in the bag, bag with phone. the antenna? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. That's something else. Was, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and your mom, I think, asked you, well, what did she say? And you told her. She didn't say anything at first. Isn't that, isn't that how it was? Like, she didn't, you didn't, like, you had asked him, his parents are in the room here, and wanted to know, like, well, what did she say? <laughs> he said, well, she didn't say anything at first, and then all I got out was, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, and then I said, of course, yes. So, and here we are. I know that's kind of like a long story, but you had to have some details. So, it kind of gives you an idea from where we progressed with the first date to where it ended up, where he had asked me to marry him, and he's been... Wonderful ever since. It so. all started with mashed potatoes. It did. started with mashed potatoes. But that's how we got engaged, and that's how we ended up getting married. And so and that all was that February. That was February. We got married in September. In September. And yeah. we put a lot of time, energy, and attention, like everybody does, into a big church wedding. Yeah. And we, we didn't, at the time, really, you know, the, the church, the pastor, I just remember, like, the pre-marriage counseling was, we were just walking around the parking lot. They yeah. gave us a book and no real instruction. And so what I've learned over the years is we put so much effort into the wedding day that we forget about the marriage afterwards right. that doesn't so get true. the attention. Yeah. And so over the years, we've had this discussion, like, what do we wish that we knew? What do we wish we would have known? We yeah. would have known? What we would we have done differently? And we always come back to this answer, um, that we just didn't know certain things. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of you have been married longer than 25 years. Obviously, you could probably do this better than we're doing, but yes. um, and you, I'm sure you have things that you would have done different, but we just kept coming back to that same answer. I wish we'd have known some things differently, and I'm sure we all can say that. So that's the essence of what we want to share here just for a few moments. Um, these three things that we wish we would have known before we got married. Yeah. And I want to read to you from the book of Genesis, uh, verse 18, 19. Well, a few verses here. It says this in verse 18. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make him a helper. Everyone say helper. Helper. That's comparable to him. So out of the ground, God formed all the beasts, all the birds, and he brought them to Adam. And whatever Adam called them, that's what its name was. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds, the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper. Everyone say helper. Helper. That's comparable to him. And so God, look what this says. Because, guys, here we are anointed to take naps. It's right here. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Ladies, when you're like, my husband just sleeps, he snores, it's because it's what we're called to do. It's right here in the Bible. And he slept so hard that God took a rib out, closed it up, 
And the rib which the Lord took from him, he made into a woman, and he brought the woman to the man, and he said, now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother, his joined to his wife. They become one flesh. They're both naked, the man and the wife, and they're not ashamed. And so this is kind of the story of God's intent for marriage. And I want to, under the umbrella of this statement that Um, There are things we wish we knew that we should have been intentional about, Um, and we just didn't know. So what I mean by intentional, it takes some effort and energy in uh, a relationship uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and we've learned this, that we wish earlier we'd have known more about this, but it took it has taken some intention in these areas to make our, our marriage better. So these are the three things that we wish that we would have been more intentional about. Number one is that we is to be more intentional about developing partnership. Here's Adam. He's in the garden. This is before sin had entered, and he got to walk with God without broken fellowship. And God brought him all these animals, and he named all of them. And God said, even though I walk with you, even though I made all these uh, animals for you. There's not one who is a partner. And that's what the word helper means. A partner, it means someone made just for you is what it means. And so um, what we see from this scripture is that God knew what Adam needed. And so he made Eve for Adam and Adam for Eve. And they're to share life together. And that's what marriage is all about. Now, in saying that, we no one ever told us that you have to put some effort and some energy and some intention into partnering. I just thought she's hot. I love her. We got married. It's all gravy after that. I had no idea what I was doing and no one told me any different. And then I realized one day uh, into the marriage that it took, I hate to say it this way, but it does take work. Anyone that has a good marriage, you you put work into it. You sow seeds into it to get a harvest from it. And so in saying that, let me just say a couple of things. One is is, is this, that it's really good when you're opposite and we are polar opposites. And I just used to think, I don't know if I ever said this out loud, but I think I just used to think that um, you were going to think like me and have my perspective. And when I realized that you didn't, I thought you were weird, you were wrong. I just needed to convince you of the right way to do things. And I realized that opposites are actually, Jimmy Evans said it this way, if you're both the same, then one of you is unnecessary. And so it, it takes both of us as opposites because you have strengths where I'm weak and and vice versa. So I want to ask you this question. How do our strengths help out each other's weaknesses? Because we came from two totally different backgrounds. We're two totally different people, two totally different thought patterns. And how how do our strength and and our weaknesses help each other? Well, I know a couple different things are the way, especially on the emotional level. I'm more emotional and sensitive about things and, and, and I feel a lot. And he's not that much of a feeler. So there were areas that, um, that where I was strong in, that he needed to have that and where he's strong in, like in the confidence and the security and the stability is the thing that I needed. And so in those weaknesses, we can look at that in ourselves and think, oh, we're not good enough for them because we're not like them. And that's really not the way that God wants you to see that because what I bring to this and what he brings to this actually creates what is whole. And God brings two halves and makes it a whole. And we don't look at it like that. We, we start to repel one another because we think, well, you should think this way or you should do this or you should do that. And really, you know, those are expectations that are false too. Because if I was just like him, really, we would be at each other all the time. 
because we'd never gain any ground. And if he was just like me, we'd be at each other all the time because we would never gain ground. Because the difference that I have and the difference that he has really brings strength and it brings oneness or wholeness is what it is. So you take two halves that are different and you bring them together and you make a whole. And so that's the way that I believe that God wanted marriage to be. Where he is weak, whether it may be and, and it's a weakness, but it's not a weakness to where he's, he's not able to understand is, you know, a lot of emotional things and, and relational things that maybe he hasn't, doesn't see that I bring that dynamic in and help him to see so that he gets understanding so that we can actually gain ground and vice versa in the security area, the confidence area. You know, he has helped me tremendously, especially through the word of just understanding, you know, how God desires for you to be confident in God and to do these things and walk those things out. So that's so important that you understand that two individuals, when they become one, they make a whole. So I think in those areas, you have to understand that it's not because you're not good enough and it's not because you're not right for one another. Actually, you're absolutely right for one another if God ordains your marriage and you always have to have intention in that. So I think that's the key that we've always talked about is just being very intentional. Even though early on we didn't know these things, we naturally are just committed, loyal people. Thank you, Jesus, that we were. Because had we not, we might not have stuck it out long enough to find out there has to be intention in order for it to be successful. So those kind of things are very, very important too. You know, don't give up on one another. If God brought you together, he brought you together for a reason. And you know, day in and day out can get very mundane and it can get very taxing on you. But you've got to come back to the real thing and the picture of why you're together. And you've got to look at it from the perspective and I've had a, a lot of, almost like epiphanies lately of just, you know, the big picture is here. He brought us together for a purpose. We were created to be together for a purpose. So there has to be a purpose that we keep focused on. Because when you constantly are looking at your differences, then things are going to be different. But if you're constantly looking at the things that brought you together, then you're going to see the wholeness of it. And those differences are strengths. Yeah, absolutely. And that yeah. we've done this, we've said this before, but that debunks the soul myth. Yeah, it does. A soulmate myth. Soulmate because myth. people think if I just find my soulmate, and you don't find your soulmate, you get married and you become yes. soulmates and you pour into your relationship. You're always, always, always developing partnership. And I want to hit this before we move on that um, one thing that was a challenge for us is that as a couple, you should always be working and you have to always work uh, to come into agreement, which means you're always moving away from your single identity mindset. And we can become, we can be a little, we kind of can be stubborn. We can be independent. um, And and I guess that's pride at times. How, How have we worked through that challenge and learn to become partners even though we can be a little bit stubborn. Well, um, Or you can be a little stubborn, I should say. (laughs) Yes, I can. I admit that. Um, I think the biggest thing is what we've learned is we're very strong people. And we're strong because of maybe experiences and different things, but we're just naturally stronger people. And so there are times where we realize, okay, we're going to fight for our right a lot of times, and that's not how marriage works. You don't fight for your right. You walk in the right that you have the opportunity to be together. And so independence was something that was kind of like my middle name growing up because I couldn't rely on anybody to have anybody depend on, so I had to depend on myself. And the first letter of independence is I. 
And so I thought a lot about I. And it wasn't that I wasn't a thoughtful person or considerate. I, I felt like I, I feel like I am a very considerate person. But I thought about the I in the factor of protecting myself from any kind of hurt. And it, it really is a matter of pride because I wasn't trusting God that he, the person that he picked for me, that I would allow him to be able to protect me because I didn't need him. And I felt like I didn't need anybody in my life because of all the hurts. And so in that, I became an independent person. And now I'm not an independent person. I'm extremely dependent on Jesus. And he shows me those things and allows me to open up and put my pride down so that Aaron can be what I need because he's the other half of me. And so I allow him to protect me now. I allow him to, I need, I've come to the terms of the fact that I do need him. And I never felt that way before, but I do need him. And that can be a very vulnerable place for you if you're someone who has always taken care of yourself. But that vulnerability is good. And it actually creates that oneness and it creates that understanding of God bringing you together. So it's, it's just a matter of pride and that strong I feel like I have a right kind of thing really doesn't exist in a marriage because the only right that you have is being obedient to what God called, and that's for you to be whole. And, and with that, I would say this, and we'll share the second yeah. one, is um, I said it this way, I think, in the first experience that um, one of the things that has to happen for us is, you know, the word division, and the devil tries to divide marriages. We see it sure. all the time. Division means two visions. And you got to have the same vision. Mm -hmm. And it has to be the death of independency. Yeah, you're right. And that's that's challenging. challenging. How many have ever, maybe with your spouse or when you've been in an argument and you knew you were right and they thought they were right and you won the argument and afterwards you're like, what what was that worth? (laughs) It wasn't worth, even though, yes, I'm right, it it wasn't worth anyone ever... Nobody. Okay. So, um, so here, here's the second thing we see in the scripture, not only developing partnership, but pursuing oneness. Yeah. The goal of marriage is oneness. That means becoming less of two and more and more of one person. Mark chapter 10 says this, but God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and he is joined to his wife and the two are united into one since they are no longer two, but they are now one, let no one split up what God has joined together. And so the key to oneness is communication. Yeah. And, and my wife is so much better of a communicator than me, but that's what communication is. It's always becoming one, becoming sharing and becoming one. And, and so they, they say this, that women's uh, communication is different than men. For a woman, she needs frequency in communication. And we just had this conversation, we had this long conversation and all of a sudden, I was just quiet. And she's like, you got nothing to say? How come you not say anything? And I literally said this to her. Don't, don't try this at home. But I said, I'm out of words. And she's like, how can you be out of words? I'm like, I just, I'm out of words. Guys, how many of you are like, I just ran out of words. I got no more words. I don't have to say any more words. I can't think of any more words to say. I'm just out of words. To her, that was so foreign. It is foreign. But, but for a female, communication is frequency. And so we, we, need, and we need to share. And so how have we learned to communicate? Well, the biggest thing I think is spending... Because once again, this is something we didn't do. We needed to be intentional. About. That's what I wanted to say, too. You know, these things are things that, you know, we have even come into the knowledge of over the last several years that we've been able to actually put intention to. And we've, listen, we've had some battles that have come against that because when the devil doesn't want you to change your mindset. 
He doesn't want you to change your mindset in your marriage because if there's some tension or stress or strife, he likes that because he can get in there in that strife and then that's when he can cause division. If he can cause division, then he's going to work on that until, he can, until it comes to happen. But the thing about that is, is you've got to communicate. You've got to get those things out. You've got to understand those things. You have to expose those things. The biggest thing, I think, is that we spend time together. You know, it's important that you spend time together. And you talk about the tough subjects. There are times where there are things where you just think, you know what, no, if I don't think about that or don't do that, it'll just go away. It does not just go away. You have to put them out there on the table. Even if they're hard, even if it's conflicting, you've got to talk about those things. You have to communicate those things because you've got to, the devil works in ignorance and darkness. And if you keep it in the dark and you think that it's going to be okay, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's so important with communication that you talk about it. And, and obviously what we've learned too is our tone, how we approach one another. We do it with love and respect more so now than just, bah, because I know like as women, sometimes we get so passionate about things, if you're like that, that and then it can just come out and it's really not the intention of the way it's to come out, but it just has to get out somewhere. And I used to be like this more so was when I dealt with something, I just thought, okay, well, I don't have an outlet, so I don't have anywhere to go, so I'll just push it down. And I just kept pushing it down, and I became a builder, and I would build on top of that. And then something would trigger it that would have absolutely nothing to do with it, and then I'd blow up, and then it'd be boom. And he'd be like, what in the world was that? And, and I really couldn't tell you at that moment. It was just a buildup of several different things. So I've learned, especially in this aspect of my life, and with him, communication is so important to, to deal with the tough things is that get it out. Lay it on the table. Don't let the devil come in. Don't let him uh, keep something hidden that you might start to then conjure all these thoughts about and then hold this thing against your spouse that really doesn't even exist. And so in that, you have to expose it because here's the thing. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And truth will back up truth. And you'd rather hear the truth in love, even if it hurts, than to have somebody lie to you so that it can be suppressed and you don't have to deal with it at the moment. Because then you've got two different things you're dealing with. You're not only dealing with a betrayal, you're dealing with a lie. And God can't get glorified in that because he doesn't operate in either one of those realms. He operates in truth. So truth can back truth. Healing can come from truth but it can't come from a lie and it can't come from something being hidden. So the biggest thing for us, communication, because there's times where he just doesn't want to communicate about things, but I'm like, okay, we got to communicate about this because we can't fester. It can't sit there. We got to deal with it. We got to deal with it with the word. We got to lay it out. We got to expose it. And I probably have way more words than that, obviously, than he does. But I feel like it's really brought us freedom and it's really brought us opportunity to to gain ground and to do what God calls a marriage to do, and that is to stay whole and to stay one. So best thing for us, communication, is spending time together and doing things that are important to us. And they say for a man to best communicate, it's around an activity. Yeah. Um, they say that women are more modest in, in the intimate areas in the bedroom. Men are modest in conversation. And so... The, like when we dated, we were always going somewhere, doing something, playing tennis. And so yeah, I talked a lot more. And so um, a couple months ago, she's like, I just want to go do something you enjoy doing. What do you like to do? I'm like, I like to hike. She's like, I'm going hiking. I'm like, yeah, how's this going to go? 
but so we actually we stayed at the lodge we didn't stay in a tent but we went on like a 13 mile hike and dude I, guys I turned into a woman um, somewhere on that hike I just started talking and talking and talking so guys open up around activity women communicate better over frequency except during a football game at certain times just so you know don't ask questions during a football yes. game yes um during the football game, you gotta pick your places. I have they're, to pick called, my they're called commercials. Spots. That's when you ask questions. <laughs> or halftime. Not like, well, why is he doing that? Why, why is he wearing those pants? Why, is, why has he got that dirt on his helmet? Why, what's that play? Oh, well, you haven't done that. I'm just saying some women do that. Um, okay, so last one, real quick. Run down the time here. Yep. Uh, just, we just wanna help your, your marriages today. And so put intention and effort into developing partnership into pursuing oneness. And lastly, just serving each other's needs. No one ever told us that you're the one that's supposed to, they say you marry the person that kills you. Yeah. And um, in Ephesians, it says this, that a woman's greatest need is to be loved and cherished. And a guy's greatest need is respect. Now there, there are some secondary needs, but what I need to do, I need to spend my life and energy because it says the husband has to act like Jesus does to the church. And my words and my effort and my energy needs to be serving the need that she has to feel loved. And when I do that, it builds security. And she needs to put her effort and her energy into making sure I feel respected. And there are secondary needs. We don't have time to go into, uh, in, into all of those. But this is what we realized. And whenever we're working with couples that are getting ready to get married, um, we say this to them all the time, even just some couples that we're working with, that see, we, what we realized that we both had these set of expectations going into marriage, but nobody told us we were supposed to share them. Right. We just thought we would be mind readers and, and we so know them because we're I together. had expectations and she had them. And because they were never shared, they were never met. So we were frustrated. But if you can share your expectations, then she knows what to meet and I know what to meet. And instead of being frustrated, we were feeling fulfilled. And we have a really good marriage, but it's taken a lot of effort and a lot of energy. But the Bible tells us in, in those few verses, it says that we need to keep, we need to keep um, pursuing or developing yeah. this partnership. And it's not like we have it all together and, okay, this is, the, this is the ultimate marriage or whatever. But what we do is what we've learned. We've, we've been very diligent in applying it. And that doesn't mean we get it right all the time. But it means we just continue in that. And we continue to serve one another. And trust me, there are times you're not going to feel like serving one another. There are going to be times where you feel like you're right, you have a right to be served. When in reality, we have to take ourselves out of that spot and think about, okay, what is it that, like with him, what is it that he needs for me to do right now? In the, if it's in the midst of a conflict or if it's in the midst of he has a challenge or something, I need to think, like, what does he need from me right now, not what do I need in that moment? need to think and prefer him over myself so even when your spouse least deserves it absolutely you need to serve them the most and the bible talks about that and i wanted to end with this this thought this morning I, and i put this down to close with did y'all get something good out of that this morning um there were so many things we didn't know and you, you can get depressed over that you can get discouraged over that um but something we found in the bible that's throughout the Bible. And I'm so glad and so grateful to God for this, that God's a redeemer. Yeah. Y'all believe that? He is a redeemer, which means this, the things that were stolen, the things that were lost, the things you didn't know, the things you missed, 
because God's nature is to redeem, he can redeem all of those things in your life. When you just say, I didn't know, or I did wrong, or I thought wrong, or I felt wrong. If we let him, he's a redeemer. And I'm so grateful that he's a redeemer. If you think about this, those of you who are a Christ follower, you're saved, you're born again, you're a believer. So you had a past. And some of us in here might have been really good sinners. And we have maybe a past. And I was... You know, I, I was always taught this, that we're going to get to heaven one day and there's going to be this big jumbotron and all of our mistakes are going to play on that jumbotron. So I was like, I don't want anyone to see that jumbotron. But I realized that's not a bit true because the Bible said this, that Jesus took all the stuff that could have been put on the jumbotron and his blood wiped it out. It covered it. He redeemed our past. So if you're a believer, you don't have a rap sheet and you don't have, uh, you don't have all of these things. God redeemed it. And so if God could redeem that, he could redeem things you didn't know. And not just in marriage, but even in your individual life, I think there's probably some things that God can still redeem in our lives. Some of the stuff were our own decisions. Some of the stuff were just things we didn't know any better. And so I want to end with this question this morning. And it doesn't even have to be relationally or marriage. What needs redeemed in your life because you just didn't know? What needs redeemed in your life because you just didn't know. That's why we spend so much time on Sundays teaching revelation and truth because once you know it, then you can act on it. But I think because some of us didn't know we have relationship failures, business failures, life failures. But what didn't you know that God still can redeem in your life? Let's all stand. And as I close with that thought, you don't have to, I'm not going to have anybody come forward. You don't have to tell anybody this. But when I said that last statement, what in your life still needs redeemed? Because you just didn't know. How many thought of something? Go ahead and slip your hand up. Yeah, yeah I see that. I'm going to pray for you as we close. And Pastor Devin's going to dismiss you. But I just want to pray with you because sometimes God just needs to redeem our memory, our thought, our decisions. And I learned this a long time ago. God can do anything in our life that needs to be done, but he cannot do anything in our life that we do not allow him to do. And I think for just a moment, we need to allow him to just begin to redeem. And that's one of his attributes. Is he's a, it means to buy back. You know, um, one thing I've noticed over the years my wife loves to do, and we, the first way to do this because we didn't have any didn't have any change but she would go and find the sales rack and she loved and she still does she loved a good sell anyone love a good sell is that like anybody that's actually what the word redeem means to find a good bargain to get a good bargain and I'm telling you why Jesus redeems and bargains stuff out of our lives so let me pray for you slip your hand up again if that was you Father you see the hands that are across the room